turn in your pew Bibles uh, to our sermon text for today, Mark 16, uh, verses 1 through 8. Mark 16, uh, beginning with verse 1. This is the Word of God. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, open up our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. May your Holy Spirit, Father, um, touch our hearts uh, so that the seeds of your gospel would fall on fertile soil and take root and bear fruit for your glory and praise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On Resurrection Sunday, we give a glory to God by singing hymns that proclaim the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most joyful and worshipful hymns is Christ the Lord is Risen Today. We sang it this morning. My only regret when we sing it is that we only sing it once a year. Uh, but it's, it's a glorious hymn. hymn was written by Charles Wesley, uh, back in 1739, Charles was uh, the brother of John Wesley. Uh, Charles was one of Christendom's most popular and prolific hymn writers. It said he composed over 6,500 hymns. But listen again to that, that first verse. It's number 277 in our Trinity hymnals. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys. 
and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heaven and earth reply. Hallelujah. That, that word that is repeated time and time again in this hymn, Alleluia, uh, literally would translate praise Yahweh, praise Jehovah, praise the Lord our God who, who loves us in Christ. You know, contrast the, the resurrection joy uh, in this Easter hymn uh, with Mark 16. Verse 8, uh, that last verse that we read, I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Mark 16. Uh, that's on page 853 of our Pew Bibles. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. You know, as we go through this account in Mark's gospel, we will see that the reality of Christ's resurrection rightly compels us as believers to proclaim the gospel. What does it mean for believers to, to proclaim the gospel? It begins here, Mark 16, with these women who are heading to the tomb and then they are hearing God's messenger, that angel, in the tomb. And then finally, they are hoping despite fear. Now, let's begin here in Matthew, Mark, excuse me, Mark 16. You know, there's four gospel accounts. If you know a little bit about your, your Bibles, four gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection, Matthew 28, Luke 24, John 20, and here in Mark 16, and they all have distinctives. And yet there, there is a holy harmony. They, they blend together. They're just different witnesses of Christ's resurrection, different witnesses of those who were there at the tomb and saw the empty tomb. You know, but let's look at uh, Mark's account here of Christ's resurrection. You know, first, uh, a question of gospel timing. You know, Mark very clearly tells us when the Sabbath was passed. You know, this is uh, the, the biblical guideline. Jesus died on that Friday that we call Good Friday. He was buried uh, before sunset, before the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath, which would begin Friday night at sunset. <clears throat> he was in the tomb then under the power of death there on Saturday and then rose again on the day we call Sunday, or Scripture calls uh, the Lord's Day. You know, three days he, he was in the tomb, his body, under the power of death in his humiliation for our sins. You know, but it is the Sunday. You know, R.C. Sproul reminds us evangelicals gather for corporate worship on the first day of each week rather than the seventh because Jesus rose on Sunday, 
And so the Sabbath became the Lord's Day. And so we rightly call Sundays now not the Sabbath, but this is Sunday or the Lord's Day as it is referred to in Scripture. Every Sunday we remember and we rejoice in Christ's resurrection. Not not just one Sunday a year, every Sunday is a remembrance, a joyful remembrance of Christ's resurrection. So gospel timing, and then we see a gospel trio of women, you know, which is striking in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, women were unreliable witnesses. And yet we see three women, not just two, but three women, Mary Magdalene, out of Jesus, Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Mary, the, the mother of James, who was Jesus' mother. And then Salome, who was the mother of James and John. And if you read through Mark's account here, these three women were present at Christ's crucifixion. Mark 15.40 Uh, There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. Uh, They were there at Jesus' burial. Mark 15.47, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. So these three women... You know, had been with Jesus, they were there at the cross, they were there at the tomb. When they rolled the stone, sealing the tomb, and they are there on this first Sunday after Jesus' death. I believe all three women were believers. And yet look at what the... Scriptures tell us they all headed to Jesus' tomb. Why? To anoint his body, his dead body, with aromatic spices. They didn't have time on the Sabbath to do that. Uh, Presumably on Saturday night after sunset, the market would be open, and so they would buy the spices on that Saturday evening in preparation for Sunday Yet they are heading to the tomb with every expectation that Jesus is dead. He's still in the tomb. It's very early in the morning. Luke's account says it's early dawn. It seems they left their homes at, at first light and they arrived at the tomb. As scripture tells us, when the sun had risen, you know, a, a courageous journey. You know, for three women, you know, early in the morning. And, and verse 3 tells us there's a, a genuine dilemma. You know, look, look there. And, and they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone, roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? You know, you know keep in mind, they, they went to the tomb, you know, with, with the expectation, or maybe they hadn't thought their plan through, but they went to the tomb thinking that, or knowing that the stone would still be there. And so there's a, there's a conundrum here for them. They verbalize their concerns. Who will roll the stone 
for us from the entrance to the tomb. Still, you know, again, the second reminder, they, they do not come with any expectation of, of Jesus' resurrection. A little bit shocking here. You know, over the years, uh, I've visited countless cemeteries, you know, for different reasons, to visit the, the graves of, of loved ones. You know, every time I go north, go to the cemetery where my mother and father are both buried, and uh, my grandparents on my mother's side, now my aunt is there, and we have other good Christian friends in this same cemetery. But I go to cemeteries quite often as as a pastor to officiate at, at the burial services. You know, before an open grave, you know, in the funeral industry, uh, God bless their heart, you know, today seeks to shield the family from seeing the open grave. You know, they, they put astroturf to, to cover all the, the dirt skirting around uh, the device that holds the, the casket. Family is seated far away or relatively distant, you know, but, but when you're right there by the casket, you can look right down and, and see, you know, that, that grave. You know, who are these wit- first witnesses on the first Resurrection Sunday? You know, three believers, three believing women who expected to find the sealed tomb of their Savior. And yet, note this, they were still headed to Jesus' tomb. Now, verse 4, they they are not only heading to Jesus' tomb, but now they are hearing God's messenger at the tomb. You know, a a striking expression there, and and looking up. You know, it, it seems their faces were downcast. They maybe still were struggling in their mind and hearts. Well, who's going to roll the stone away? How are we going to bring these spices to anoint Jesus' body? You know, but there's a, a spiritual implication there. You know, looking up with eyes of faith. If you there's an account earlier in, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-four where Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. Won't read the whole account, uh, but beginning with uh, Mark 8, verse 23, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village, and when he had spat on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up. It's that same expression. And he looked up. And said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. You know, he began to look up with eyes of faith. His vision was still blurry. Sermon for, a, for another time. You know, but th- there is the, this idea, this scriptural idea, that, that they, are, they are beginning, their, their faith is being reawakened. You know, he, they went to the tomb with, fear and doubt, and now 
that faith begins to flame up. And when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. You know, that, that emphasis, it, it, you know, it wasn't just a, a, a tiny rock. It, in Jesus' day, uh, they sealed the tombs with these stones, and they were on a track, and they would roll downhill, so it was easy to seal the tomb, but it, it took great work to unseal the tomb took great strength of a number of people, and they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and so the question is, who opened the tomb? Well, God opened the tomb. You know, God opened the tomb. He rolled back the stone, not to let Jesus out, but so that all could see that the tomb was empty. But these believers now enter the tomb, verse 5. Again, more courage, more faith. And they see a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. Other gospel accounts speak of, of two men, two angels. Here, Mark only mentions one. It's not a discrepancy, not a contradiction in Scripture. Mark just chooses to focus on this one angel. And this angel, you know, they entered the tomb, but the very first thing they beheld was not the body of Jesus, you know, but this angelic messenger. Why can we state that this young man is an angel? You know, he, he's dressed in a white robe. You know, that, that's a heavenly color. You know, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Speaking of the Son of Man, Daniel 7, verse 9, And as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. We see this again. You know, Revelation 7 Verses 9 and 10, Revelation 7, 9 and 10. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. So this is an angel. This is God's messenger. You know, that he has sent to proclaim the gospel, you know, the good news of a risen Savior to these women. But what was the women's response? Look again there at the last part of verse 5. They see this messenger of God, this angel, and they were alarmed. They were affrighted. They were distressed. Even before the, the angel started to speak and, and share the good news. You know, but listen to this angel who reassures these women, gives them a gospel declaration from inside of the tomb. You know, and, you know, five parts of this, you know, going through these quickly. First, the angel says to them, don't be alarmed. They were alarmed, and he says, stop being afraid. Stop being alarmed. 
you know, they're, they're alarmed over discovering Jesus' empty tomb and possibly that they didn't find Jesus' body there in that tomb. Don't be alarmed. And then he says, secondly, you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. You know, every, every detail in scripture is important. It doesn't just say Jesus, but, but Jesus of Nazareth. You know, remember what John's gospel says about Nazareth. Well, Nazareth, that, that would be uh, pointing to, to Jesus, you know, what was regarded as his hometown. But uh, John chapter 1, verse 45 and 46, we read, uh, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, that is Jesus, of whom Moses and the law And also the prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then hear what Nathanael says. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. You know, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus who was crucified is what we read here. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Past tense. You know, third, he says, you know, and here is, is the most important section. The angel declares, God's messenger declares, he has risen. He is not here. He already has risen. You know, the, the, uh, the way that verb reads in the, the original can be better translated. He has been raised. God the Father has graciously raised God the Son, you know, to his glory and praise. You know, he has been raised. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He no longer occupies his fancy new tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. You know, he is victorious over sin and death in the grave. You know, he is not here. He has been raised. And then forth, see the place where they laid him. You know, go and see this shelf. Presumably the burial clothes are still there. You know, go, go and see for yourselves. You know, Jesus was crucified. Placed in that tomb. You know, the, the, the men had already begun that process of anointing his body. You know, see his empty grave. Rejoice in his resurrection. And then fifth and finally, uh, the angel tells them, verse 7, but go, it's a command, go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. You know, these women are to be witnesses first to other Christians. You know, I I believe that's, that's God's order, gospel order still for us today. 
You know, it, it's good to share the gospel. It's vital that we share the good news with the lost sinners. You know, but it's good that we encourage one another, you know, with the good news of, of the gospel. You all go now, tell his disciples and Peter. You know, I, I love that last little phrase, and Peter. You know, why, why would Mark's gospel highlight Peter? You know, what, what was the last thing that Peter did? He, he denied Christ three times. You know, here this account in Luke chapter 22, just reading a couple of verses, Luke 22, verse 60. You know, Peter had, or Jesus had prophesied, foretold Peter's denial, and sure enough, Luke 22, 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately... While he was still speaking, the cock crowed. And then this verse brings almost tears to our eyes. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly difference between Peter and Judas. Judas was sorry for his sins. Peter repented of his sins. And here in Mark's gospel, Jesus is telling these women through this gospel messenger, tell the disciples, but especially we could say, tell Peter. J.C. Ryle puts it this way. He reminds us, quote, of God's kindness to backsliders. And then he writes, Peter, who had sinned particularly, is singled out and noticed particularly. You know, Jesus here is graciously reassuring Peter of the depths of his forgiveness, the riches of his redeeming love. You know, gospel hope for great sinners. So often, you know, at times, I know it's happened in my life, I've wondered, well, have I committed too many sins? Have I committed, you know, the great sin? You know, can God forgive me for this? You and I may not have denied Christ like Peter did, but we have, Lord willing, wept bitterly. Over our sins. And here Jesus, you know, here in the gospel graciously reminds us, you know, that, that, that God graciously, you know, forgives repentant sinners. And then back to Mark here, tell them, is, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he, that is Christ, the risen Christ, is going before you to Galilee. You know, you will hear, you will see uh, the risen Christ when you get to Galilee. The angel truly reassures these fearful believers about the gospel fact of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. 
William Lane writes, having assured the women that Jesus was alive, the angel commissioned them to tell his followers that they would be reunited with him in Galilee. You know, that was a prophecy that Jesus had given in Mark chapter 14, verse 28. Mark 14, verse 28, Jesus said, But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And yes, that prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus was raised from the dead, and now he, in in accordance, fulfillment of Scripture, here is going to Galilee to meet with his followers. But one of the applications here for us on this resurrection morning is this. Those who hear the good news of Christ's resurrection must also herald the gospel to both believers and unbelievers. You know, if, if, we heard, if we have truly heard the gospel then it is our gospel calling, yea, even gospel duty, to herald the gospel to Christians and non-Christians alike. You know, think of it this way. Think of the good news that you readily share with others. I know it's past Good Friday, but if you find a good price on crawfish... You know, you, you tell all your friends, here's a good place to get crawfish. Have great crawfish, great price. Or, you know, if, if you're a fisherman, fisher person, you know, you, you find a good spot. You know, you say, you know, the fish are biting here on this lure. You, you want to share that good news. You may not tell them where your honey hole is, but you, you want to share that good news. Or then again, you know, the good news of the safe delivery of a parent or a baby to loving parents. You know, they, these brother brother and sister in Christ just had a, a you know, a beautiful baby girl, baby boy. You, you want to share that good news. Good news after good results from a medical test, release from a hospital, you know, and, and that's the gospel. You know, good news that Jesus Christ died for the sins of his children on the cross, that he rose again on the third day. You know, in his gospel booklet, Ultimate Questions, and we have copies available in the back. Feel free to take one. We have some more. You know, John Blanchard reminds us of the Scriptural reasons behind the cross. That chapter is entitled, Why the Cross? And he writes these words, quote, All of the Bible's teaching points to the death of Jesus. Neither his perfect life, nor his marvelous teaching, nor his powerful miracles are the focus of the Bible's message. These are all important, but above all else, Jesus came into the world to die. What makes his death so important? The answer is that he died as a substitute, a sin-bearer, and a savior. And John Blanchard refers to Romans 6, 9 through 11. Read those for us, Romans 6, 9 through 11. 
We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Or to quote again from Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 4, speaking of Christ, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. This past week, I read an article, I had it in my files, forgot I had it. It was on Preaching and the Resurrection, uh, written by uh, Dr. Reverend, a Reverend Dr. Kevin DeYoung, He's a PCA pastor in North Carolina now, Matthews, North Carolina. Uh, he reminds pastors to, to keep Easter Sunday sermons basic and biblical. And then he writes these words, Beware when the cross and the empty tomb cannot compete with March Madness and the Masters. But then he goes on to write, Sin is worse than you think. The good news is better than you imagine. That's what our people need to hear. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus lives again. Christ arose. Christ reigns. Christ will return. We have sinned, we will die, we can live forever. And he applies it, keep it simple, play it straight, preach Christ and him crucified. Now as I prepare to preach each week, I have a a checklist sermon evaluation form given to me by my homiletics professor at RTS, Dr. Bill Hogan, Back in 1991, you know, but one of the, the, the items there that always hits home with me is proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. I want to make sure that sinners hear the gospel and come to faith in Christ. But even for Christians, each week we need to hear the gospel. Yes, we are sinners, and yet sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. By the grace of Christ, for the glory of God. Finally, verse 8 here. I believe these women, and the call is for us to be hoping in the resurrection despite fear. It's a a striking reaction here. You know, this closing verse of this gospel pericope catches Christians by surprise. These same three believing women who courageously set out for Jesus' tomb at first light now go out from his empty tomb, and they went out. Remember, they're still in the tomb, and so now they go out from the tomb. And what do they do? They, They flee. You know, you're, you're running in, in fear. 
we hear words like trembling and astonishment had seized them. And it concludes, for they were afraid. But I believe this is a, a holy fear, a hopeful fear. Much like Isaiah's fear in Isaiah 6. Real fear of a resurrected Savior. It's a holy and a hopeful fear that, that they have heard this good news of the gospel. You know, there, there's this still a fear that they know they are sinners, unworthy sinners. And yet sinners saved by grace. You know, listen again. You know, I do this often, but listen again to a verse from a hymn, song, gospel song that we've already sung, Christ our hope in life and death. You know, hear that second verse. You know, thinking still of, of Matthew, excuse me again, Mark 16. What truth can calm the troubled soul? Maybe the women were asking that question. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good. God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood. Who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ? And then the chorus. So sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope. Our only hope in life and death. You know, three quick questions as um, we come to a close. First one is this, you know, do you know that if you were to die today, uh, that you would be home in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ? Second question, do you know, do you possess gospel assurance of salvation in Christ, knowing that he died for your sins on the cross? He rose again from the grave, the first fruits. And then finally, will you ask that the Lord Jesus Christ use you, use you and me, to herald this gospel message of hope to a hurting and hopeless world all around us? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we praise you for the gospel of Christ the biblical gospel, the unchanging gospel, the sure scriptural truth that the Lord Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Lord, we thank you that you have set your love upon us in Christ. We thank you for his cleansing blood that was shed for our sins to completely pay the price for our salvation. Lord, we thank you for Christ's resurrection from the grave, the first fruits, that promise that 
for those who are trusting in Christ for their salvation, Lord. They will know that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Lord, we praise you that, that you are the God who graciously calls us to saving faith in Christ. Thank you that you seal us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you have given us that, that uh, gospel task of heralding this gospel message of hope in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.